Hey y'all, this is Abraham, one half of the Ocean 8 podcast, and I just want to let you know we outside this summer, so that means return to sporting events, concerts, and the like. Lockdown hasn't been easy on the pockets, so ticket prices aren't looking too fun, I feel you on that. But, Megaseats.com offers a solution. Megaseats.com is a third-party reseller. They stand tall on these two things. Zero service fees and free shipping, 100% guarantee. But if that isn't enough, and, and this is the fun part, SSAW has partnered with them to provide you a 10% discount when you enter SSAW Network at checkout. Did you hear me? 10% off on top of zero service fees? Man, you're going to catch me outside this summer for sure. Head over to megaseats.com. Use the code SSAW Network and plan your next outing. We outside this summer, baby. Yo. Hey yo. Y'all know what time it is. Yes, sir. We ain't here. Osana Podcast, Volume 2, Episode 27 of Your Favorite Two Nigerians. Presented to you by SSAW. Here we are, Abe. Another mm-hmm. week. Another slate. Some good, good to talk about. But before we get into it, um, we got a guest today. Yes, sir. I love when we got guests on. Yes, Abe, sir. You, you want to introduce the guest? Yeah, so this man is known as a Brooklyn legend. You know the story of the East Coast. There's, there's always this one person who's just legendary from the city of New York. But not only that, he's from the islands. So I would like to introduce my big brother because he's old as shit, and I'm the youngest one on this pod. Jabari, Bari legend. How you doing today? How you guys doing? doing I mean, well. thank you for that introduction. Yeah. <laughs> nah, don't thank him for that intro. We called you old as hell. Don't, 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 don't do that. <laughs> like I said, I'm the youngest one on this pod. <laughs> yeah, you're taking shots. That's that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I still smell the Similac on you. Oh wow. I ain't that young. Stop playing. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Slow down. Oh, oh man. Oh. Y'all, listen. So last week's episode, it was a whole lot going on in the world. A whole lot yeah. is like we like to call from our neck of the woods, Wahala. This week, though, um, man, I feel like I feel like some jinxes got broken, and we'll explain that in a minute. But let's hop into first. Is this game really America's game? American football. Will we really classify that as America's game? Which one? The, the America's American football. I mean, it, they, I mean, um, to, are we gonna are we gonna go with? with I'd baseball like to for think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. That's I, fair. 
No, I was saying I like to think over the last five, six decades, it's been football that's been regarded as America's game. But anything before that, I can see why, you know, baseball purists would say that. Mm, true. True. True, true. So we'll, we'll, let's talk about America's game for a second. Um, yo, there's been some stuff popping off in the NFL. Um, one thing that made me look like a prophet. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing that blindsided all of us. Uh, actually, a couple of yeah. things that blindsided all of us. So we'll start with the first blindside. Shout out to Michael Orr. Um, <laughs> Cam Newton's going home, y'all. Yo, yo. Cam look. Newton and the Carolina Panthers have reconciled their differences. That you know they're 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 getting remarried, y'all. Divorce was finalized, and they're getting remarried out here in these streets. I'm I I did not see this coming. I thought I thought Cam Newton was going to end up like Colin Kaepernick. This man wasn't going to see the field ever again. Yeah, they they didn't drag this man. Carolina Panthers handling uh, the first go around uh, of his injury situation was wild. We saw what happened with him in New England and some of the stuff that came out after that. Then when I saw, you know, teams like the Dolphins and the Saints, you know, losing losing quarterbacks and nobody calling Cam. Come on, man. So, hey, where were you at and what were you doing and what were you thinking when you heard this news? Oh, man, I was editing um, Cover Zero when I had my TV on. And I saw the news and I'm like, hold on, baby, <laughs> slow down. <laughs> Is Cam really coming back home? Because at first it was like, all right, they're in talks. And it's like, okay, bet. And then it just happened, like, just as quickly, yeah. So a one-year deal has been signed. Um, <laughs> and I'm over here like, okay, then. We got, we got Superman coming back home. Like, that's that's big news. Because... I mean, we we talked about it. It was unbelievable that all these quarterbacks are getting chances before Cam Newton can get a comeback in. Because it's just like he he don't deserve it. He don't deserve the the blackball. That's what it was. It looked like to me he was being blackballed. But um, for fantasy owners like myself who have CMC, oh, we eat, we eat, we eat. <laughs> With Cam Newton, I agree. Like, I, I do see it, like, in a sense, he was being blackballed. Like, you know, they would more focus on his fashion, his antics, things that's, like, off the field things that isn't, isn't really relevant to his play. Whereas, like, he's proven, you know, he's a he's an MVP. He's been to the Super Bowl. And he's not a perfect quarterback, but there's no way, there's, like, there's no way that he doesn't deserve a job in this league. So, to be back home, like with the team that he accomplished the most with, it was a surprise to me also, you know. Let's not forget, it's only been six years. Yeah, yeah six years since he went since he took the uh the Panthers to the Super Bowl. Like this this isn't some distant memory. This is recent history that he took this team yeah. to the Super Bowl um uh, and re- realistically lost to a uh Basically to the Denver Broncos defense because mm-hmm. Peyton Manning, all he did was snap the ball. That man could barely a turn great his defense. Neck. That was a great, that was an all time great defense. And you look at uh, where yeah. some of those players have ended up today from that defense. <laughs> One of them, <laughs> the reason why uh, a certain uh, you know team of livestock might make it to the to the Super Bowl, but. What 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 impact do you guys think Cam is going to have <laughs> on 
the Panthers. I'll start with you, Jabari. The thing with Cam, like, I think he he kind of, like, as a leader, as a quarterback, he instills, like, a confidence in his teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see, like, coming into the season, I don't think the Panthers were, as far as, like, projections go, they weren't projected to to be the greatest team ever but before this sign. And so I think he, like, it, I like the situation for Cam. It's like he has to – he doesn't have much to lose. You know, he can be comfortable. He's, he's played in this arena a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's playing with guys that he's played with, he's played with before. That's you know that still remained on the team. Um, I don't like as far as how they will do. Like I don't think I can like call it. I just I haven't um because when I think about Cam, I'm I'm thinking about like his recent snaps, like before he was like go out of Patriots. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I should be thinking about Cam of old or like I don't know because the the problem with Cam in the first place, like you said it. It wasn't too long ago that he was accomplishing the things that he was, but I think a big problem with, with what happened with him is he was taking a lot of hits. Um, he was taking a lot of hits, and as a quarterback, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't being protected all that well. I think that started, I guess, what people would call his decline. So I want to see like the approach that they have with him as quarterback. Does he just go back into his natural habits, or is are there any like you no know, small changes here and there? For me, I think, like I mentioned before, this is great for um, for fans with CMC because, as you mentioned, Jabari, that confidence he instills as a because I feel like that Patriots experience definitely taught him. I don't want to say humility, but definitely affected his mindset and how to approach the game more with a bit more patience. Because I feel like you learn stuff while playing under Bill Belichick, even if overall your experience isn't positive. Um, but now just thinking about how teams used to just hone in on CMC, depending on what version of Cam that we get, you can't afford to do that. You really can't. Mind you, CMC and Cam played together and the offense was, was looking well, uh, outside of injuries. And then DJ Moore was also eating when he had Cam. So like, I'm seeing this as an opportunity for that Carolina offense to do better to uh, finally step back because they're not out of it. They are still in the wild card hunt. So, Hey, you get some, uh, some run option in there between CMC and cam. That's going to be, it's going to be worthwhile. You feel me? I'm looking forward to it. Um, To Jabari's point. I think that was the most frustrating thing for me watching, especially the, the post Super Bowl uh, appearance era for the Panthers with Cam was these dudes did not get any sort of protection for Cam. You, no. you look at them draft after draft after draft, and they drafted nothing to make Cam's life easier. And so when people are looking at Cam and saying, well, he declined, then well, the team didn't do anything to help or to support him in that area. And then you add on top of that, some of the injuries that he, he suffered. I'm surprised that I think it was a season before Cam uh, ended up with the Patriots. I'm surprised that Cam didn't just retire because they were really putting this dude's health at risk um, with the the lack of offensive line uh, drafting and or um, pieces that they brought in. Mm-hmm. I don't expect uh, I don't expect Cam to be a world beater in this situation, but I do think we're going to see the Cam of old in terms of having fun again, uh, and st- in terms of uh, just just being. Um, an entertainer out on the field in a good way, in a good way. Um, 
before the season, I was looking at the Panthers, and the only thing I saw for the Panthers coming was Sam Darnold possibly winning comeback player of the year. That was it. I thought comeback player of the year was going to be a two-horse race between him and Dak. Here we are. And where are Sam Darnold and Dak? Back where they were around this time last season. So, Cam, I think Cam going to come in here, give us some fun. Um, I don't want to hear any of the hate. It's not like Cam. It's not like Cam is out here acting a plum fool. So, and I think also to your point as well, Abe, you do learn something playing for Bill Belichick, even though Bill Belichick by most players who played under him will tell you is a madman and a dictator. You're going to learn a thing or two playing from him. So I think hopefully maybe some of the discipline and stuff like that, he picked that up and we'll see what, what that looks like for the Panthers and CMC. Hope he stays healthy. Next blind side. Well, for most people, it's a blind side, okay? Oh, man. Um, so on our program last week, we, uh, we celebrated the birthday of one Odell Beckham Jr. No. And the Browns also celebrated with us. I really see him. <laughs> In that process. In that process. Um, you know, Abe and I threw out some, some possibilities of where we thought he would end up. Um, Abe had um had his thoughts i personally said i wouldn't be surprised if he ended up in the nfc west now if you listen re-listen to the episode i i may or may not have mentioned i threw out the cardinals only because the cardinals have been drafting have been picking up everybody it seems like uh, this offseason as we've mentioned before this summer it felt like there was some point during the summer where it was almost every single week uh we would hop on this program and have to report another signing by the Cardinals of a free agent mm-hmm. who had some level of notoriety. Mm-hmm. But briefly, I was about to say, man, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up at the Rams. And Abe cuts me off and goes, no, 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 no. We don't have the money for that. Yeah, I was like, this is not a reality. It doesn't make sense. He's not a big need. He's not. Right. But, but to be fair as well, though, Abe, that was before we knew the terms of his release. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think if you knew the terms of the release, you would have agreed with the Prophet Osa. Anyhow, here we are a week later, and um, Odell Beckham Jr. is an L.A. Ram. Yo, that drone was crazy. Think about this. They, they, Rams just agreed to mutually part ways with Deshaun Jackson, and it's not Deshaun Jackson is a, is a scrub. He's a, he's a vertical threat. We all know that. But OBJ in exchange? Listen, I have my thoughts regarding this, this signing and what this does for the Rams. But y'all, on a scale of 1 to 10, how surprised are you by this signing? I'll start with our resident Rams expert, Abe. Surprise as hell, because it wasn't necessary. Like, we didn't need this. We really didn't need this at all. <laughs> like, honestly, it's just... <laughs> I'm in the car at Fruitvale in Oakland, right? Get the burrito with the homie. And I'm on Twitter. And I'm like, yo, Twitter looks weird on my mobile app. And then I refresh it because I'm on the Osa and Abe account. And Adam Schefter, OBJ, is expected to be with a Ram. And I, I looked at it for like five seconds. I was like, oh, this must be one of them fake Twitter accounts, right? And I keep staring. I'm like, nah, that's a legit check mark. Hold on. What is going on here? Then I'm like, oh, hell no. Nah, we really just signed OBJ. Like, we did that. 
I, I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. You know, the only thing I'm kind of sad, saddened by is the fact that, like, hey, is uh, Cooper Cup still going to break the record, though? Because, you know, I would love for him to break Megatron's record still. I just don't know how likely is that with OBJ in the mix, you know? But I was, I was stunned. I was so stunned. And I was, I was just happy, ecstatic. Because he won't play for us Monday night, of course. But after our buy, we have a buy after this 49er game. We're going to go to Green Bay next. Boy, we need that. We need that for seeding implications in this league because we could still win our division, but we got to take care of the games in front of us. I'm happy for OBJ. I'm a Giants fan. To get to LA, I was just looking at like his, his personality. Like, I think it's, it's, it's good for his mental health to mm-hmm. start because – Obviously, he wasn't happy in Cleveland. No one, no one's happy in Cleveland. Like it doesn't matter if you're playing on the Browns or if you live there. <laughs> like it's just you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be from there to appreciate the good things about Cleveland. And, and OBJ is just not, you know, he he likes. I guess he enjoyed his time with New York, and he's always desired to be under those bright lights, like to to be able to make big plays on on a team that's that's, I guess important so to speak like um and to apes to what he was saying about cups production i, I does i do hope it drops because wow i'm a megatron fan as well damn just hating i don't want him to break that record wow you hear that hate um, you hear that hate but it, your offense, and, and his yeah, name yeah. is vanilla off- <laughs> by the way your offense can't get any worse yeah no, come on I, I, yeah, I saw somebody <laughs> say that on twitter i haven't been right um, ever since you're, you're your offense, like, I mean, it's something to be happy about to get OBJ on, you know, that one-year deal like that, um, especially when you're, you're, you're trying to contend, you know, and you've bolstered your defense recently. And to bolster that offense that, I guess, like you said, you didn't really need that. It's not something to take lightly because, you know, in this game, injuries happens a lot. And, and you know, it's better to be deep, like, to, to have depth at these positions than to not, you know. so. I'm just happy for for OBJ. I hope that he can like revive his career a little bit. Um, I think he has all the talent in the world. He still gets a lot of separation on plays. Um, when he was in Cleveland, I, I don't think a lot of that was his fault. Like speaking of this season specifically, I don't think a lot of um, his underproduction was was his fault specifically. Like obviously he has to own up to some of it, but. I think it's a lot less pressure and it's ironic because when you come to an LA team, usually there's more pressure on yeah. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think he has less pressure being on this team that's full of talent. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm excited to see what, what he does with, you know, his targets, what he does with the rest of the season. Listen, uh, I do agree to a degree that this was not necessarily needed by the Rams, but I go back to comment I made on this situation because we, we've been talking about OBJ for the past couple of weeks on this program. Actually, this will be week number three in a row where we've talked about him. And a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned, you know, I really hope he lands with the contender. Um, and I really want him to get a ring, a la Antonio Brown. Right? It, for all of Antonio Brown's antics and whatever his off-the-field issues is, the man is still a really talented receiver. Mm-hmm. And to see him get a ring, even though he didn't 
like his production wasn't through the roof when he got with the Buccaneers. What we see now with him, though, is the is what we were expecting to see when we heard he was signing with the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. I think OBJ, um, it might take him a second to get in the swing of things with uh with his Rams offense, but when I look at the the trade-off between him and Deshaun Jackson now for the Rams, the Rams have one, two, three. Rams got threats at wide receiver and guys who can who can actually route run who aren't just you know single dimensional uh receivers mm-hmm. uh so you have someone in obj who is of course we know a big play threat at any time but also can 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 get you possession uh yards when you need them pairing him up with cooper cup i mean defense has got a game plan now they really have to game plan for these guys in a different way plus let's not forget sean mcveigh of course, at the helm. But now Sean McVay has an actual quarterback. Sean McVay does not have to be the quarterback of this team. When Jared Goff was the quarterback, really it was Sean McVay. You got Matt Stafford, a veteran who still has an arm, who, um, man, who really should be in Detroit right now with Megatron throwing for, uh, you know, breaking all kinds of records. Megatron should be 40, still catching, uh, still catching crazy stuff. Um, but here we are. The Lions ruined careers. Uh, the Browns ruined uh, OBJ's rep. To Jabari's point, like this wasn't none of it was OBJ's fault, really. In 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 uh, in Cleveland, if you look at it, if, if we said this before, you look at his time in Cleveland. There was literally no noise out of him. I would have expected more emotion from OBJ, like what we were seeing in in uh, with the New Jersey Giants, than what we uh, have seen with him in Cleveland because you know at least with with the Giants like this dude getting emotional over over some close game stuff but he was still getting still getting his reception still getting his um still getting his stats this dude wasn't getting nothing in Cleveland I don't even blame Baker necessarily for that although now I kind of blame Baker Baker could have said something if he really wanted this dude like that Kevin Stefanski you you just lost one you for real just lost one and I think we might be on our way to seeing the OBJ revenge tour. And I hope Bleach Report makes some OBJ revenge tour merch. If not, Osa and Abe might have to do it because I'm here for it, especially if the Rams win the Super Bowl. I may or may not, you know, wear something like that. Um, but also shout out to the Rams, shout out to Sean McVay. Over the past, I'd say three seasons, Sean McVay has been at the helm now. I think this is season five for him. He's uh, taken the team to a Super Bowl. They've made it to the playoffs. I think every season where he's been at the helm after coming off of, I think, what is that? Nine straight seasons of nothing under Jeff Fisher, which still blows my mind that Jeff Fisher could be at the top for that long, could be running this team for for that long and never make it to a playoffs and still have a job out of control. But Sean McVay comes in young buck, right? Sean McVay. I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I'll tell you how old Sean McVay is. Sean McVay is only um, a year older than I am. So you know, I can't imagine coaching an NFL team right now. I can I can Monday mon- mo- Monday morning quarterback it, but I can't imagine coaching the team right now. But Sean McVay's done a great job with this team, and so to finally give him a quarterback. And then if you look at some of the pieces that he's brought in over these past few seasons, particularly even over the past calendar year, just the past calendar year alone, Jalen Ramsey, okay, an all-pro player. Mm-hmm. Von Miller, who still has something left, who still has, I think, something left in the tank to give this team. Um, now an OBJ, um, you you get a Matthew Stafford over. You finally get the quarterback that you really needed 
um, for a while. My hat's off to, to Sean McVay and to the Rams for making it make sense, especially playing in a city like L.A. Like they, they, they are uh, they're making it known that, listen, we're in a big market and we're going to make big market moves and we're going to uh, hopefully bring home some big market trophies. Y'all, it's about to be crazy and ran down. Let's recap Thursday night game, oh, really? um, which was oh. last night compared to, uh, you know, on this, the day that we're recording this. Y'all, the Ravens and the Dolphins. First of all, uh, not sure many people saw this result coming. I think most folks anticipated that this would be an easy dub for the Ravens, but instead it was a dub for the Dolphins. Dolphins win 22 to 10. Whoo! Led by a combined 300 uh, plus yards of passing from Tua and Jacoby Brissett. Wild. Tua and uh, Jacoby Brissett accounted for 314 yards passing versus Lamar Jackson's 238. Lamar Jackson was the leading rusher, though, for the Ravens. But here's the big stat to note he was the leading rusher for the Ravens with 39 yards. That's always a stat to keep uh, track of because we know with the Ravens, they are a historically good running team across the board. I know I was surprised. Our dear friend, Mr. Watson, a.k.a. Baba Funke, was pulling out his hair. <laughs> Why are you doing like that? Why are you I could have like said that? something else, but here we are. And oh. Abe was over there just chuckling in the corner because you watch the Ravens lose on the same day that his favorite wide receiver, Vanillatron, gets signed. Um, wow, no, no, Vanillatron is Cooper Cup. Oh, Cooper Cup, Vanillatron? Yeah, I don't that's like what that. They, that's what they, don't like it. White, you know, I don't like it. Black, oh, yeah, that I'm would make saying, that yeah. would make uh OBJ Yellatron. Oh, um, yeah. first of all, Jabari, are you gonna let him disrespect OBJ like that? First of all, um, I am not playing no more. I mean, I, you know, all the best. <laughs> <laughs> All of that. Jabari got, Jabari got Danny Dimes over there slinging that rock over in uh in, in New Jersey. You know, Danny said, Dimes, that's a cold nickname. I, I don't care what y'all say. That's Jabari said it's above me now. <laughs> it's above me now. It's that's in God's it. hands. <laughs> He's in God's hands. He's in LA. He in the city of angels. It's literally in God's hands, you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You y'all do realize what Sunday brunch about to look like in LA, right? Oh my goodness, Rod, OBJ, <laughs> Russ. You know, it's about to be Hello. foolish. It's about to Kawhi might just pull up just because you, you know, just Draymond come down to visit from the bay. Draymond come down to visit from the heck. Steph might fly down for nah. Aisha gonna let ain't gonna let him fly down from oh. the bay. She go, Why are you gonna go to brunch down there? I make brunch here. Oh, Anyhow, um <laughs> y'all. Look at it, this this uh this Ravens Dolphins game. Um, biggest takeaway for you. I'll start with Jabari. I didn't expect the Dolphins defense to be as efficient as they were. I didn't expect them to be, oh, I should say I didn't expect them to be as effective as they were. Um, like the Ravens couldn't find the end zone for a very long time. The um what was it? Uh Xavier Howard, I think he had yeah. the strip. Yeah, he had that strip when he picked it up and returned it. And then also, I think Lamar had one in- interception. I don't remember what that play was on. I was just reading about it. But, like, the Dolphins' defense, um, <laughs> I just I just didn't expect that. I expected more production out of, I think, also was saying um, the Ravens' running game. Like, yeah, Lamar Jackson led the, the Ravens in rushing yards, but 
the team doesn't seem like they got much out of anyone else. Um, it's a it's games like these when you know when you're the Ravens and you're trying to do something that comes back to haunt you. Like it's a very winnable game. Um, he was going up against what Tua, you know. Like I, I just I, I didn't yeah. see this this result happening. Um, and Tua didn't do much. Like he didn't have to do much. Also, um, the yeah, Ravens defense. He came in late uh, because Jacoby hurt his knee, bro. It, it was a bad one. Jacoby hurt his knee in like the third quarter, I believe. Was the injury bad? Yeah, it looked bad. It looked bad. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, all the best to Jacoby Brissett. But Tua came in and, and he did what he had to do. He was like 8 for 13 yeah. for like 150, 158 yards, a TD. Um, Brissett was, wasn't doing too bad also. Um, 11 and 23 passes I'm seeing for 156 yards. They game managed like hell, and and their defense stopped Baltimore all night. You know, they couldn't get into the end zone. Facts. Uh, for me, it was, you know, but it's funny enough, before I even knew about the OBJ news, I was on Twitter, and they had shared a stat saying that uh, Lamar Jackson is averaging 351 total yards. By himself that's better than 17 teams in the nfl bro <laughs> another tweet said that he makes up 82 percent of the ravens total offense of their of their total yards and i'm like bro these mvp like numbers for real for real <laughs> unfortunately the dolphins didn't get the memo <laughs> and they said we don't care about all that <laughs> what they got to do with us and they absolutely handled the the Ravens. And it's just like, the last two weekends have definitely shown us how, how it is any given Sunday, right? But I feel like it's safe to say for the first time, there is no clear-cut favorite. There is no team that is just like, yo, this is a dominant team that is going to win it all. I put my money on it. You can't say that about the Bills. You can't say that about the Titans at the moment because it's like, all right, what are they going to look like without Derrick Henry during for the rest of the season? You can't say that about the Chiefs or the Chargers. You can't say that about any team from the NFC East. You can't say that about uh, <laughs> you can't say that about Green Bay really. <laughs> and you definitely can't say that about NFC West. I mean, the closest teams you can really say maybe the Cardinals, but then they had that that tough loss against Green Bay, and then without basically five offensive weapons, demolished San Fran. There's parity because the Bucks ain't ain't bona fide favorites. They lost to the Rams and to the Saints. It's any given Sunday out here, but um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's just. <sighs> Man, that was a tough loss, but it shows you especially how wide open the AFC is. Because right now the Titans lead it. The Titans are the only two lost team in that in that uh, conference. Then you got the Bills with three. You got the um, Steelers and Ravens with three. You got the Chargers, and I believe the uh, Raiders with three losses as well. It's just that that AFC race is going to be fun to watch. My money's on the Raiders for, for getting far just because they, I, I like what they've been able to do in, in traveling and adversity. But 
Man, tough loss for the Ravens. Um, fortunately, they're still in they're still in the driving seat for their uh division uh hopefuls and whatnot. So they'll be fine though. This um this game definitely threw me for a loop. I thought this was an easy Ravens dub. I saw that stat as well, Abe, that you're talking about with uh Lamar Jackson's total yardage output uh and, and its ranking against other NFL teams which is outrageous up until this game, Lamar Jackson was pretty much my lock for MVP. I yeah. folks need to stop, stop the slander in the shade, but this game of course yeah. gives them some more, some ammo for that. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Unfortunately, but here, here's what we can say about Lamar. The outside of this game, uh, Lamar has showed out whatever questions and skepticism folks had about Lamar's arm his accuracy, whatever it is, his pocket presence, whatever. Uh, calling him a running back instead of a true quarterback. Like he's answered all of those things this season pretty well. But uh, Xavier Howard with that play at the, towards the end of the game uh, proved the reason why the Dolphins went out to get him. Because if you remember some of the moves that the Dolphins were making, my son doesn't agree with me, but if you, you remember some of the moves that uh, the Dolphins were making last season, um, some questionable, but for the most part, you could tell Brian Flores was trying to build something. You could tell Brian Flores was trying to remind folks that, hey, I do come from the Bill Belichick coaching tree, and this is the magic formula. Uh, what I will say also about the Dolphins, looking at Tua in this game, I think Tua relishes this role, mm-hmm. this role of coming in late game or, you know, in crunch time. He, he came in in the third quarter in this game. Um, I think he he relishes this role to come in, to show out, give us some excitement, lead a team, put a team on his back. I remember in, uh, what was that, 2017? 2017 uh, College Football National Championship when he came on uh, in the fourth quarter and uh, an OT to lead Alabama back against Georgia. Uh, I, I think that is still a sore spot for a lot of Georgia fans, right? Uh, came in in place of Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts had been having... Uh, pretty much a Heisman caliber season all all season, and what happens? Couldn't couldn't unlock that that uh, that fortress known as the Georgia defense. Tua comes in, just balls out of his mind. I really do hope the best for Tua and wish him the best. Like I said, since man, day one when he got drafted by this team, and I've said this to anyone who listens. This, this statistic for me when it comes to Tua is still the craziest statistic that I've seen. This man has not had a healthy season of football since his sophomore year in high school. His sophomore year in high school. That is a scary thought. I think personally, he does need a fresh start. If the rumors are true, uh, about him possibly getting uh, traded to the Texans in a swap with, uh, with Deshaun for Deshaun Watson and some other pieces. I think it's a I think it's a good move. You don't agree, kid? All right, whatever. But Ravens, they still my Super Bowl pick out of the AFC. But the AFC is definitely more uh, more wide open. NFC, we already know that NFC West. Whoever comes out the NFC West is going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Uh, barring, Rams house. barring some miracle by um by the midgets of New Jersey. I mean the little giants. I mean the New York yeah. Giants. Um, you have to do you like that? That's crazy. Yikes! 
Yo, so <laughs> let's 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 flip let's flip just a little bit. Don't worry, Jabari. This is this is what we do all day over here. Um, don't let Abe do that either. I don't Abe, know what he's talking about. Abe was, Abe, Abe so is good. the worst slanderer that we got. Like Abe is Abe is the reason I'm telling you right now, folks. When when this thing really blows up and pops off, Abe is gonna be the reason why we're gonna end up in Twitter beef with someone we don't need to end up in Twitter beef with. He, I don't. I don't it's gonna be you, Abe. It won't be me. I I'll just sit on the sideline. Eat my popcorn, and I may subtweet a thing or two from the Osan Abe account. But you're gonna be the reason we gonna get some some heat and some smoke for no reason. Let's switch over to uh, I'm not gonna say what I was gonna say. Let's switch over to uh, the land of hoops, the house of hoops, to the NBA. Um, and as as we we do that, y'all. Man, this season has been, uh, I think it's been a season of exposure. I said this last episode, across the sporting world. However, whoo, man, it has particularly been it in the NBA. From Abe calling Tyler Hero bubble boy, which I think is an accurate assessment, to uh, <laughs> us seeing literally got players and teams who were balling out, uh, in, not just in the bubble, but in a covid shortened season like we had last year to now really being a regular rhythm nba season folks are getting exposed but something else that has created a um that has created i think some parody and has made some folks look pedestrian uh some of the the roughing going on in the league this season uh there have been comments made they think dame Lillard notably um but there have been comments made by various players about how they feel about how the officiating has been going some folks have called for, for some of these officials to straight out be fired. Um, I may or may not uh, have once upon a time ago known a guy who now is an official in the league. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but I, I'll name some situations later that are pretty infamous with this individual, and y'all will figure out who he is maybe. But um, how do we feel so far about the officiating um, in the league that's been going on this season? Uh, I'll start with you, Jabari, because I know, you know you you're a fan of this game. Yeah, with the officiating changes, um, so I see the the need. I see why they needed to go back and reassess how they call fouls, because a lot of players would abuse, you know, the system. They'd abuse the system. They'd abuse what they learned. And I don't blame these players because they came up under these rules, and eventually the good ones were able to abuse it enough. Like um, <laughs> James Harden, he plays for my team. And Trey Young, it, it, it's affected a few people. So I don't, I don't disagree with the NBA taking a look at how to call these fouls. But one thing I will say is there's been an overcorrection. Um, I heard that term used on a broadcast the other day, and uh, I believe Annette's Orlando Magic game. And there's been an overcorrection specifically on stars that that made it a habit to abuse these rules on a night-to-night basis. So like Harden, like Trey Young, um, I wouldn't say Dame abused them, but he's he's definitely feeling he's definitely feeling the the effects of these rule changes also. And I'd say honestly I feel the NBA should keep these rule changes, but it shouldn't be it shouldn't be so much in the referee's hands to the point where they decide what's a foul and what's not a foul, depending on the climate of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I saw Harden get hugged mid-play the other day. Like, he literally got hugged and then unhugged, and that was a no-call. 
and he drove a couple plays later and got a call on a regular drive. So I, I just feel the referees have to be more consistent in how they approach these rule changes. I know it's the first season of them being implemented, but these guys are on the highest level of officiating. You know, it's a, a major sport in, in, in this country. So it, it needs to be taken seriously. The rest of the world's watching how we call fouls. And if we're trying to get closer to a FIBA game or a FIBA style game, I'm, I'm not opposed to it, but a foul is a foul, you know? Yeah, for me, I'm looking at it like, hey, I, I appreciate them not uh, being so forthcoming with um, this, uh, with that particular foul call, you know, when the shooter kicks out their leg, because to me, it just seemed unfair because I, I get it. You want to protect their landing zone, but when they extend their landing zone like they do, because we've seen the egregious ones, it's just like, come on now, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> so the fact that it also affecting a lot of these big players numbers, especially like their attempts at the free throw line. I think right now, Trey young is averaging the least free throw attempts he's had in his career so far. Like he's not, he's not used to this. Meanwhile, um, for some reason it's affecting Dame's three point shooting. He's shooting one of the lowest in the league. At one, he was at one point during the season shooting like 8% from three. This is Dame Lillard. Like, this is Dame time Dame Lillard. Like, I was shocked. Yeah. But, um, hey, if it if it, it heightens up the game for me in terms of like, all right, we're not going to see just the ticky-tacky stuff. Now we're going to see who the real hoopers are, like who who really relies on skill to get it, to get it out the mud. You could just say Kevin it. Durant. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, KD not affected. KD like, okay, what I got to do with me, y'all? KD is unbothered. Yeah, he's just like, that, that ain't got nothing to do with me. So um, it's lit. It's lit. I do appreciate it. But, uh, man, this season has been exciting. This season has been exciting. I'll say that much. Def, def has one been thing, exciting. Go ahead, Jabari. One thing I wanted to say real quick is I feel players are affected by these rules in different ways. So Dame, I'm sorry, Abe pointed out Dame's percentages. It's affecting his three-point shooting. And I feel because the only thing that's changed on that end is obviously you don't shoot better by taking your feet out. Yeah. So the only thing that can really affect is you're being touched more. Dame became comfortable with not being touched. Like ever since the uh, hand-checking rule was removed in the 90s, like shooters had priority pretty much like you can't affect their landing zone rightfully so because you don't want to cause any injuries but you couldn't touch them in any kind of way to make them feel you know uncomfortable while taking the shot mm. and now you can touch shooters up a lot like they'll still call a reach in here and there or they'll call a foul on a three-point play here and there but it's definitely not as consistent as it was before so um with Dame, i'm, I'm assuming outside of him just having a bad start that has nothing to do with the rules. I'm assuming that he just got comfortable in a sense where he wasn't being touched on these pull-ups. He was always given room to operate. And now they're, they're being more physical with him because mm-hmm. even when I watch on um, Brooklyn games, like they're touching Harden up more a lot. And I have no problem with that. Like on the shot, like whatever they allow one way, I just feel it should be allowed the other way. So I just feel like my team has to become more physical also. 
But um, yeah, I, I feel it affects people in different ways. Like you, you mentioned Trey's having the least amount of fouls or he's getting to the line the least amount probably you said of his career. I'm assuming mm. probably his whole life. Yeah. Because <laughs> all, 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 all leagues operate under these, these rules in a sense. And that's how these kids were, were brought up during like AAU and all these other things. Like they're being coached to take advantage of the rules, um, jump into contact, create contact. And that's one thing I like that's changed. I never felt like you should be able to create contact as the person with the ball and, and still get to the line unless you get your, your man in the air. But, you know, that's like that, that just comes with a pump fit. But like just to create contact and then throwing your body into the defender, I don't think that should be rewarded offensively. So guys have to adapt. Listen, y'all, I, I am not opposed to some of the rule changes. I think what we see, especially with this current crop of referees, is a an adherence to the letter of the law. But because of that, we all know, you adhere to the letter of the law without keeping with the spirit of the law, you end up looking real harsh. And I think that's what we've seen, and hence the overcorrection. Guys like a James Harden, who literally has built his game, thanks to Daryl Morey, built most of his game around beating the rules, really, and gaming the system. The system just switched. James, make the adjustment, please. Um, Dame, y'all hurts my soul watching what's happened with Dame. And some folks, I think folks are going to continue. I think what we see with Dame right now is going to cause folks to only continue to, to cry out for Dame to get traded and leave. But, you know, Dame ain't trying to leave. Um, but But I think... Part of the reason why we see folks quicker to adhere, or these refs quicker to adhere to the letter of the law than the spirit of the law, um, I wonder how much of it has to do with bias. Um, like I said, once knew someone uh, who is currently a ref in the league. And so I, we would watch games, you know, to have the guys over at someone's house and we watch games. I pick his brain literally about stuff like, why was that call made? Because we can all, and I'd hear stuff like, man, I'll be honest, there are moments where, yeah, like that call clearly was a wrong call. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, if they think it's the right call, it's the right call. And maybe on the back end, they might admit that it's a it's a wrong call, but it's only amongst us referees. Um, even admitted, like, there are players that they have their biases against. And so they might be more prone to uh, call a tech on a player, a particular player, if they have a bias against that player after, you know, and then have a short fuse with that player as opposed to other players. Mm-hmm. Um not going to say that this individual maybe may or may maybe didn't give a tech out to a player based on that. All I'm going to say is if y'all remember that game when Draymond Green got tossed last season, that referee. Um, so I, hmm. I think it is creating some parody in the league, but I hope all these bubble boys who are getting exposed that they, they, man, y'all figure it out. Um, here wanna, we are guys. Oh, go ahead. I want to, I want to, um, before we even leave that, because you just you reminded me of the Bubble Boy comment. I'm far from a Tyler Harrow fan, but I don't, I don't see the justification of him having that label. He's probably having one of his best careers, um, sorry, best years of his careers right now under these new rule changes outside of the bubble. He's having career highs and points, I believe, assists off the bench. <laughs> um, like, their 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 competition like their schedule strength hasn't been weak they've played comp they've played playoff teams they play contenders and Miami's far from perfect and like I said I'm not a big Harrow fan but there's there's better examples of people that 
fought out in the bubble and and fully didn't TJ Warren outside of the bubble. Yeah, TJ Warren. <laughs> it'd be my first. Who's TJ Warren? <laughs> you see, last scene. TJ Warren. Last scene. Putting up thirty five points a game. Um, in the bubble. I ain't seen him since. Where's the the missing persons report on TJ Warren? Yeah, yeah he's literally cool. he's literally been injured since like I think he played maybe a few weeks of basketball outside of the bubble. But it's like his body just couldn't take real basketball anymore. He, I don't know what's going on with him. My man said his body couldn't take real basketball anymore. Jesus. <laughs> My man has a real basketball intolerance. You know how folks that, what is it, celiac disease, where they're they just gluten intolerant? My man is intolerant to real, to real basketball. That's crazy. That's crazy. But for the record, Abe, it's you that we blame for this bubble boy comment commentary. Um, I don't know what you got against Tyler Hero. All I do know, the, I do know is this. I'm going to say this right now, that okay? That Lakers-Heat game, okay? LeBron James, we all know, currently out with an abdominal strain, all of that. As I watched the fourth quarter of that game unfold, especially for the Miami Heat on the, the heels. Hey, why didn't we talk about this? We're going to talk about this real quick, okay? On the heels of the shenanigans with Nikola Jokic and Mr. Morris. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We will get to that in a second. Watching um, the fourth quarter of this game for the Lakers unfold, right? Back and forth. And the Lakers end up with the last play of regulation. And whose hand is the ball in? One, Russell Westbrook. And in that mm-hmm. moment when he had the ball, all I could think was, we are about to get another shining example of why Russell Westbrook's, Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook's basketball IQ, particularly in the clutch, is absolutely horrendous. And what happens? Bro, you have Malik Monk, who's been hot most of the game. You have none other than the Carmelo Anthony, who's probably front runner right now for uh, sixth man of the year, wide open. And what do you do? You run the clock down and take a step back three to close out regulation. Of course you miss. What is you doing? Yeah, I don't know what's what, going on what, there. What? Westbrook's, uh, unfortunately, I have him in my fantasy team, and I'm trying to get rid of him. But Westbrook, <laughs> he, 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 he's just, he's, and it's been, it's consistently, like, he's consistently been, like, the lowest IQ late game performer. This goes back to OKC, I swear to you. Every team he's been on, if they've had late game situations, facts. and facts. He, and he didn't, if he didn't mess it up, it's because he didn't have the ball. It's, it's literally, like, if, if the Wizards won a late game last year, it's because Bradley Beal had the ball or something. Like, as much hustle as he has is as little IQ as he has at the end of the game. And it, it bewilders me because he's a grown-ass man. He went to college. He ain't dumb. And it, it's a lot of guys that's not playing basketball on that level that aren't that – I don't want to call him dumb. That aren't that, like – what's the word? Like Low IQ basketball is what Low IQ. Like, like, it's just low IQ basketball. That's all it is. Yeah, like you can you can find hoopers in China and Spain and any league in the world that they love this game so much that they they pay attention to things. They they know okay if I have a tendency of zoning out, I got to focus. It's late game. Like they they get in the situation, and it's like Westbrook does the opposite. It's it's like the game is getting closer. Oh, we have a lead. No, no, no. We gotta. I gotta fuck that up. I gotta take a couple <laughs> of range pull ups. All this, like, like I, I have to throw two turnovers back to back. Like, it's like, it's like he prepares himself to get in the moment of fucking shit up. I'm um, sorry, <laughs> sorry for my language. Hundred percent. No, hundred percent. Like, I feel like that's it. You know, like I'm, and I'm not a Laker fan. Like, like, but it's like 
I just hate seeing bad basketball. Like, mm-hmm. and this is a good team. This is a good team. Like, this is like, I know people are saying it wasn't constructed good, but they're saying that because of Westbrook. If Westbrook can just chill out, it's literally a, a good team for the little bit of cap that they had to work with, you know, because you're taking on Westbrook's contract. So, like, you didn't have much to work with. You get Monk for cheap. You get you get Kendrick, none for nothing. You get, like, it, it's so much things, like, I don't know, you guys, just, just take over. <laughs> <laughs> I think Westbrook some of this does else. get, I think some of this does get alleviated uh, when you look at, I think when guys like Kendrick Nunn come back, I love Kendrick Nunn, man. When I heard the Lakers signed him, I was ecstatic because he's a dog. And I think when you look at, especially that second unit, because right now Westbrook kind of overlaps with that second unit, you have someone like a Kendrick Nunn who just go out and get buckets uh, instead of having to worry about, oh, who's going to get these buckets? We just have Westbrook do it. Of course, we know Malink Monk, Monk is out here getting buckets right now too. Uh, but I, I, like you said, Jabari, it's literally like in late game situations, Westbrook goes into, hmm, how can I mess this up mode? Like, how, how am I going to make this ugly? Um, when the, I think I've only seen him once in a late game situation, just do something crazy, but it was a bad shot. I know a lot of, there were people, well, really just Paul George, who called Dame Lillard's uh, three from like basically the logo over him to, to clinch that series a bad shot. But no. That this shot that Russell Westbrook took, I think this was against the Nuggets. Yes, against the Nuggets. I think the end of the 2017 season uh, to get them into the playoffs, to get the the Thunder into the playoffs, um, and to I think it was part part of the the game that clinched his uh, his first or second triple double season. And this dude hits a three to win the game from I think it was something like 34 feet off an of inbounds play. <sighs> it's not even a good shot we know what Westbrook does from three but he made it but Westbrook ain't a clutch performer like that it's frustrating it really is frustrating like you said Jabari I just don't like seeing bad basketball my dream ideal for the Lakers Westbrook at the at the one um throw in whoever you want at the two throw in mellow at the three this is the actually late game situation okay Let's go Westbrook at the one, either Nunn or Monk at the two, Mello at the three, Braun at the four, and AD at the five. I'd like to see some spacing happen with regards to that. However, Westbrook in that basketball IQ. Because here's the thing I think as well that folks forget about Westbrook. Westbrook isn't, I mean, he's evolved into a point guard. But his natural position, if you watch him even going back to college, really is as a two guard. <sighs> just to have mercy. I, I, I just, I just, mm-hmm. It's rough out here being a Laker fan. Um, mm-hmm. Let's run down this just real quick. And then we have a special announcement. Um, we're 11 games in on the season. Tonight we'll make 12. Um, biggest surprises for you guys in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. Jabari, as our uh, really on this episode, you're the resident basketball expert. Um, what would have been your biggest surprises, both in the East and in the West? So in the Eastern Conference, I would say the biggest surprise to me has been the reemergence of the Chicago Bulls. Um, it's easy to say a team would be good or bad on paper, but in the few games we've been able to watch, um, they've been able to regain their de- defensive identity 
Um, and the signings that they've made obviously have helped that specifically Caruso and um and and Demar. They they've been playing great defensively because Vucevic does definitely doesn't do that. But mm-hmm. like they they've they've been living up to whatever hype you could have put to them when when you saw the team assembled. Um, because worst case scenario, Alonzo Ball is injury prone. Zach Levine has had injuries in his career, and he's playing through one right now. Mar DeRozan's a little bit past his prime, and Vucevic is a center. So, you know, things didn't have to work out as well as they have, but um, they, they're definitely my biggest surprises of the East so far, and I, I do think they're a playoff team, despite, like, some of the adversity they'll have to go against with a tougher schedule, them missing Vucevic for another 10 days because of, I believe, COVID protocol. Their backup bag is out for a couple months. Yeah. Um, like I said, Levine's playing through injury, so they will have to eventually face adversity. But they're definitely my um my biggest surprises out east, and I think their front office is finally done right by their team because honestly, <laughs> their front office has been bad for a while now. Uh, for me, I would say my surprise from the Eastern Conference is really the. Washington Wizards um uh, I mentioned it before but now you have uh freaking like dog <laughs> Kyle Kuzma's balling uh Bradley Bill is eating the, the team is producing they're eight and three for a reason you know like is is not a so far it's not a fluke and when it comes to Kyle Kuzma it just goes to show what we kind of already knew when it comes to young talent coming out of LA if they're not really producing out there not saying that Kuzma didn't deserve the uh the the slander and whatnot he definitely deserved it but the fact that he's doing this and he's having fun and he's helping the team win is like at least for him he's kind of backing up what he was always saying like yeah you know I I can do this I'm I'm good for this and it's like eh, are you are you really but we're seeing that, yeah, you are. So um, it definitely is definitely a good look for the for the kid and good look for the Wizards. Whether they'll sustain it throughout the whole season, no, you know, we have to see. We have to see. But I like I like their chances. And as for the Western Conference, um, I don't think there's really a surprising team for me out of the Western Conference. Everybody is doing what we kind of expected them to do. Uh, in terms of a pleasant surprise, I guess surprising surprise, uh, more. Well, you know what? A pleasant surprise is Melo's doing the damn thing. Melo is still out there eating. He's still out there cooking, showing like, yo, there was no reason for him to miss that season. That was all uh, honestly politics. And so um, I'm just glad to see see him back. You feel me? I'm just glad to see him. I'm back. happy. I'm happy for Melo. I think someone called him a front runner for a six man of the year. I, I don't know. I got to go back and look at numbers. I'm not really looking at them right now, but I do know I noticed something probably a day or two ago that his away splits are like noticeably bad, like compared to when he plays at home. Mm-hmm. So I think you'll have to figure that out as the season progresses. But while we're talking about six man of the year candidates, just don't forget about LA. I ain't talking about LA, the place. Lamarcus Aldridge is hooping right now. So fair. Fair. You got to plug in his Brooklyn Nets one time for the one time. Of course know. he does. Of course he does. Right now, right now, the I would say the front runners for six man of the year would be uh, Melo, Hero, and uh, in L.A. So 
that's and that's 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 a pretty pretty wide range right there but you got two dudes in the east um i would say for me surprises would be i think just statistically right now um like just how bad well the teams that are in the bottom i'd say five or six uh in both conferences well no we'll say in the east so for the east the teams that are in the bottom six in the east right now you got an 11th boston 12th indiana 13th atlanta 14th orlando and 15th detroit um i didn't expect boston to be that low i thought boston at least would be maybe like middle of the conference and this is not this is not me being this is not me trolling you a right now. No no I'm, no, it's ego. It's ego why we're It is. That yeah, low. no you're right. You're right. I'm I am legitimately like shocked right now because on on paper this should not be so. This should, it should not be like this. Boston, okay? Even as a Laker fan, I am a fan of the sport first. You will hear me say this time and time again no matter what uh sport we're talking about. I'm a fan of sport first, my team second. So I always give you an honest opinion. I am I'm shocked by Boston right now. Um, conversely, though, y'all, I'm not shocked by. Actually, okay, I'm I'm equally shocked with Chicago. Um, I thought Chicago would be. Uh, I didn't think Chicago would be this good this early. Mm-hmm. I knew they'd be good. I knew they'd be a playoff contending team. Um, but I didn't think they'd be able to figure it out this early the way that they have. Uh, so been great to watch Washington. Not surprised. Um. I, I drafted Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyle Kuzma in almost all my fantasy leagues this year because uh, I knew them boys were going to show out. Western Conference, I am definitely shocked by the Golden State Warriors at 10-1 and one right now, period. I knew I knew Steph was going to be on a mission this season, but I didn't think it would be to this clip. Well, I feel like Steph Curry, every time uh, we're like, man, can this dude do, do anything crazier? Steph Curry's like, you know, hold my, uh, hold my LaCroix. Because I don't think Steph actually drinks beer. He 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 looked too yellow to be drinking beer. But I think he says, hold my LaCroix. Uh, <laughs> watch me, watch me come out here and put out some 2K numbers. Like, this dude has dropped back-to-back 50 pieces at the time of this recording. Just just doing wild stuff. Jordan Poole is out here looking like, hey, hey Yo, don't worry, Clay. Gary Payton Jr.? GP Dose, bro. GP Deuce. Yeah. He out showing it. And listen, I've, I've been a fan of GP Deuce even going back to Oregon State. But I didn't think he'd show out like this. Ooh, that boy, that boy got bunnies. I ain't know he, he, yeah. he yeah. has gifted like that. Yeah, that man jumping out the gym the way I mean Andrew Wiggins too. You know, Andrew Wiggins is is showing out, and it's like yo, you love to see it. Honestly, you, you love to see it. You do because folks was out here, and I, me included, I was calling for them to use Wiggins as a trade piece in this past off season. And bring in another, you know, third third superstar or third star, especially, you know, as we don't know what Clay's timetable really looks like. Yeah. Hey, they they look, they are, these guys, a.k.a. the others, are doing exactly what the Warriors need them to do at this time. Uh, so that would be, that'd be my surprise in the West. The teams that are in the bottom five or six in the West are not surprising at all. These are, these are teams who are, what is it? Uh, we know, uh, what do you call it? uh small market teams basically but they they're teams that are everyone's questioning like what's y'all future look like anyways um Mm -hmm. so tbd on the next 11 games of the season 
But with that being said, like I mentioned, we got a special announcement. Um, and y'all have heard enough from me. Abe, take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, I am, you know, for all those who have followed Osa and Abe, you've heard us talk about all the podcasts that is under the SSAW brand. We have Cover Zero that covers football. We have Reformed Hooligans that covers football. We have um, Diamond Talk that covers baseball. We have Ringside Mayhem that covers all things wrestling. We also have Full Court Press, which has been on hiatus for a couple months this year, you know, just due to um, unfortunate situations and whatnot. But I am really happy to announce that Full Court Press will be returning to a streaming platform near you very soon. And it is headlined by none other than the homie, my brother, my big bro, Jabari. Uh, Jabari, welcome to the SSAW podcast family officially. Um, looking forward to the return of Full Court Press. You know, you're one of the uh, basketball heads that whose knowledge I trust. It's, it's up there when I want to get opinions about um, the game and whatnot. What can you tell us about this uh, new and revamped, new and improved full court press and uh, likely start date, as well as your potential uh, cast? So with the return of full court press, um, with, with who I would be co-hosting with, that's what we're in the process of picking out right now. We want to make sure we get like the, a decent chemistry to start out with and um just have a game plan, you know, just have a game plan to go ahead. And as far as like the topics and, and how we're planning on approaching things, um, talking hoops is, it comes pretty natural, like to me and to a lot of us that are from SSAW. So I don't expect, you know, anything to be too difficult or anything like that. We do definitely have a a lot of things to talk about though with the way the season's going so far so um i think we're aiming for or sorry yeah we're aiming for a return in what like two weeks or something Abe? hey there we go there we go yeah at least at a minimum of sorry a maximum of two weeks um and then we should have things going by then we're still in like the early processes of things so i don't really have too too much information but definitely look forward to the return of full court press Yo, I'm I'm geeked for this. You know, the return of full court press to the SSAW universe. It I feel like this is about to be like that scene in uh in Endgame, you know, when they out there getting smashed by Thanos, and all of a sudden Captain America hears on your six and out comes through the portals. Everybody, <laughs> that's what it's about to be right now for SSAW. Full court press is coming back on the scene. It's about to be real. Um, I'm man, like I said, I'm geeked, y'all. And if you guys are not paying attention to everything going on in the SSAW universe, do us a favor, head over to tssaw.com. Okay. Check out all the live sure. updates, all the things going on with everything from Diamond Talk, Cover Zero, Ringside Mayhem, Reformed Hooligans, which you know I happen to, to have some bias towards. <laughs> full court press coming back and of course your boys right here on osa and abe so with that i think that's a great place to wrap um thank y'all for joining us for another episode of osa and abe out here 
volume two presented to you by SSAW. Jabari, thanks for joining us, man. You are welcome back anytime. Um, we Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely, sir. We we enjoy the the fun uh, crossover episodes all the time. So um, when y'all get rolling with Full Court Press, expect some shenanigans over. Absolutely, here absolutely, yeah. So welcome sure. to the welcome to the podcast family, Jabari. Um, I'm really excited to get to work with you uh, behind the scenes with Full Court Press. I know it's going to be busting. I'm looking forward to everybody you have on on as a cast. Let me know. We'll make that group chat um, also. Well, I appreciate all the insight you guys have given me with um, just starting up Full Court Press, you know, understanding things about the podcast game and having me on today just, you know, gave me a, a good feel of, of how things goes, you know, on a normal basis. And I just enjoy talking to you guys. So thanks. Thanks again. Yes, sir. Uh, so like we mentioned, y'all, you know where to head for all the updates on SSA W. But also, if y'all want to holler at me and Abe, you know, you got two options. Number one, send us an email at osa.apodcast at gmail.com. Again, osa.apodcast at gmail.com. And of course, the space that makes Abe look bipolar. Twitter. Hey, what's the Twitter handle? How you going to play me with that Twitter, with that Twitter comment, Osa? But you can find us at osa underscore a podcast. Osa underscore a podcast. And as always, y'all, you know the slogan. You know what it is. One thing, two words, get that in your brain. Omo. Nigel.